for this evening's Night Rule. We were joined by Harry Stoltz. He's the lead space correspondent at Clean Technica. We had a, uh, a fun conversation about green technology, space exploration and development, um, rocketry, uh, our divergence of opinions on the Star Wars prequels, uh, among other things. Um, just a reminder, please follow us on Twitter at PodRule. For today's intro, we will listen to about three minutes of Rose and Lightning by Aran Tomoko, and then our outro will be from Sakamoto Ryuch. This is the remastered version of Thatness and Thereness. So without any further ado, this is Night Roll. It's having having internet issues lately has made me realize what what a abysmal Dante esque horror it is to have like like regular internet issues in this day and age of like remote work and and 
the pandemic it's like if you if your internet cuts out like once an hour it's it's like akin to like 12 lashes <laughs> across the back it's the worst um my family is using it all day like everybody in this in this house is like doing video calls constantly and it's like it's it's draining everything and uh Okay, well, welcome everyone. This is uh, Night Rule. We're extremely pleased to be joined by Harry Stoltz. He's the lead space correspondent at Clean Technica, which covers uh, all kinds of news in uh, green technology. Been around for uh, for over a decade, right? Yeah. Um, so glad that you could join us uh, on Night Rule to uh, to talk about uh, technology and space and stuff. So welcome, Harry. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, it's always a uh, fantastic occasion to meet with someone from the uh, Harvey JK Cinematic Universe. Well, I was just going to say, like I saw, I noticed that you guys had talked and I was just like, okay, well, this guy's, this guy gets it. This guy, this guy's cool. He's, uh, he's, he's plugged in, you know, and Har- Harvey's the best. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I've talked to him three times now, although to be honest, I think if I bug him too much to come on before the end of the year, he'll just sever all ties. <laughs> it's fine he goes on like five shows every day i know i know he's amazing um so how long you been covering uh space there the spite the the space news beat at uh clean technica i mean the space news beat is is uh is underrepresented i would say amongst like uh you know your your journalistic types yeah and uh lefties especially um but yeah no i i've um i've been covering space for about a year so it's um it's still a pretty new thing and uh obviously the pandemic has um put a halt on actual on the ground reporting which i have done and uh so that that's a shame but it's it's a really interesting field and um it's just awesome to talk to people in the industry and uh learn more about the progress that's being done and i I think the historical aspect as well is um fascinating yeah no question you know i mean i'm i'm well steeped in um in the history of uh, space exploration, you know, Enterprise E, Enterprise D, um, you know, Kirk, Spock. But um, like, what, what, what would you say, I mean, from someone who's a little more expert in the field, uh, what would you say are some of the most fascinating or uh, most compelling stories uh, in kind of like the space space news world? Is it, is it Elon Musk or is, does it go beyond that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would really um, maybe divert attention from uh, maybe Musk himself. I would, um, I think, I think there's a lot of really interesting work that's being done at SpaceX, um, but it's, it's important to realize that um, a lot of this progress is actually a direct result of um, the past like 60 years of work at NASA and even uh, modern work that, that, that they're doing. And uh, actually many of the uh, engineers at SpaceX are from NASA and they, they used to work there just five years ago. But there's, there's a lot of new talent as well. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, NASA really doesn't get props. Like, what is it? What is it with NASA? You know, you, you figure, you know, uh, this, the moon landing, et cetera. Apollo 13 was a really solid movie that everyone liked, you know, Ron Howe, one yeah. of Ron Howard's finest. And yet NASA doesn't get respect. Like, what's the deal? I don't get it. It's like, <laughs> of all the agencies worldwide, you'd think that would get respect. <laughs> it's, it's sad because... Um... I think, um, you know, NASA is just, it, it's an example of, um, you know, government agency done right in many ways. Um, it's a its a huge jobs creator. Um, you know, many people work there. It's um, actually a lot of the, um, I would argue that some of the biggest benefits from NASA would be in the, um, you know, trickle down technologies that they've developed, I, I guess, um, for programs like the ISS and, uh, you know, things that have um, benefited people here on earth. You know, people always ask like, hey, what's in it for, what's in it for us? Like, why would we put effort into, like time and effort into sending people to space? Like, how does that help us? But um, there's really so many technologies that 
um, help people here. I think I think air conditioning, like a lot of modern air conditioning, um, is um, I guess related to some of the work that they've done on the ISS, and of course, um, you know, satellite technology. Like none of that <laughs> obviously would be like we wouldn't we wouldn't have that if it weren't for all the work that they've done at NASA. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. Um, and then like what like why why like nasa's been gone through like various like defunding rounds though too like there's been times and i think it's certainly right now they're actually like pretty underfunded too yeah. correct is that correct like what's the can you speak to that a little bit yeah it might be like half a percent of the the budget or something like that which um i mean obviously that's a lot of money but it's not enough for um the uh the space program or really um people also forget that um nasa kind of leads the um uh, the research on climate change, that's one of the most important things that, they, that they're involved in. And um, obviously that's really important if we wanna uh, survive at all in the next uh, couple hundred years. So yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you as someone who's pretty expert and like, this is something I can't speak to because I played a lot of uh, the Civilization series games and I know, you know, half a percent of your budget, like I was, I usually spend at least like 10% of my budget building the spaceship to fly to Alpha Centauri because uh, we, uh, we know eventually this earth will explode or something. Yeah, or the, the so, aliens will come and uh, bring it back or the to alien, or something. Yeah, exactly. So what, uh, like, what, what, what kind of, you also covered green technology to a large extent, I think, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was, um, I, like I what, honestly what, haven't what, written anything about it for a while, but um, yeah, I, I'm pretty well versed, I think. Like what are some of the most interesting, like just off the top of your head, like in terms of, are there, there's gotta be intersections between the two at this sure. point, yeah. right? Between, so like, is it like you want solar, obviously solar panels for spacecraft and, yeah. and space stations and whatnot, but like what, 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 what kind of stuff is also like, is there, are there other energy sources being developed and whatnot as well? I mean, in every um, renewable field, there's, there's so much work being done right now. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because, um, you know, you, you obviously can't do any of this without um, government or successfully implement this, um, these um, green energy um, technologies. But um, I guess it, at the university level, they've, um, there's really a lot of research that goes into uh, improving things like hydropower and, um, you know, geothermal is another one um, that's often overlooked. Um, but like all of these different sources are really important because like, just think um, like solar panels, work very well somewhere like California on the equator, but um, you know, maybe somewhere like Greenland wouldn't get as much sun, right? So <laughs> you might wanna try something else. Um, you really need all these technologies and they've, they're, they're, there's a lot of work being done uh, as well. Uh, it's just, I, I would argue that we need more, um, more grants and more, um, more government funding. In, in terms of those grants and that government funding, like who, yeah. who are the kind of green en energy emerging like superpowers at this point? I mean, besides, I mean, I'm sure the U.S. has a lot of really interesting stuff going on, but there's, there's some big players throwing a lot of money at this stuff worldwide, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think we we definitely spend the most um, overall, but I, I'm I'm not sure what it is per capita. What I will say though is that um, uh, Norway has done a really great job at um, um, they've they've done a really great job at uh, spreading uh, more electric vehicles in their um, uh, I, I guess um, what's it called incentivizing people to buy electric vehicles in Norway. Uh, I think. In 2019, they had like 42% of all new vehicles as uh, electric vehicles. And then that rose to 54 in 2020, which is 
unheard of anywhere else. And, yeah, that's uh, crazy. That's amazing. Wild, right? I mean, and I, I think the way how they did this was they they have like all these um, incentives. Like if you buy a electric vehicle, like you have, um, you're exempt from certain taxes and then other taxes are lowered. Um, but also you have like free parking and things like that. So it's just more convenient for people to get. And I think that's, that's a necessary part because, um, you know, here in the U.S., we actually had something like that. Um, for the last couple of years, we had a, um, like a tax write-off um, that you could get if you bought a um, electric car, but it was nowhere near enough. And I think that's, uh, it's been relatively watered down in the last couple of years. So I think, I think Biden's actually said that he is going to try to increase things like that, which is definitely hopeful. And then um, I know places like India and China have, have a lot of things um, in the works and a, a lot of stuff they're rolling out already, right? Yeah, I mean, um, recently China has, um, like, I, I'm not sure how much I would trust their public um, statements, I guess, but uh, uh, I think they, they said that they want to go carbon neutral by 2050, which is um, obviously that would be huge for um, the lead manufacturer in the entire world, right? Um, and I think India has a, a similar goal as well. But they, they also have a lot of, um, they have an emerging EV market um, as well, which is hopeful. Do you think, um, do you think the development and the deployment of these kinds of green technologies, uh, you know, related to transportation and energy um, are best kind of pitched uh, as, uh, as kind of economic boons rather than um, as uh, weapons in the in the fight against climate change, because I mean, especially in the states, yeah. that's become like a pretty like divisive. I mean, I, I don't know if you want if we can blame Al Gore or whatnot for becoming the mm -hmm. champion of it or politicizing it somehow. But um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's probably it's, I think in a lot of ways it's probably more it's going to be more effective to to uh, to to tout the benefits economically of a lot of these technologies, right? Or am I wrong? No, I definitely agree. Um, I think I think so. It's a it's a really tough issue um, inherently, right? Because it's so abstract, and um, it was it's people can be forgiven for not um, really understanding the magnitude of it, right? And um, but on the other hand, it's like you you can't expect that people won't act in self interest, right? That's just um, basic human nature and that's fine because um and that's how that's how things work but i i do agree we can um we can definitely pitch it as a like huge jobs creator in fact that's that's what i would argue um and you could um you know obviously if we went all in on renewables um we would be a lot less reliant on um, oil from other countries. We're already somewhat independent in that regard, but um, I think that would be a good marketing ploy as well. Um, and uh, I mean, there's just so much potential for this field, right? And uh, I, I argue, I actually talked about this with um, Harvey JK, who we just mentioned, uh, but we were talking about the, the New Deal and how that succeeded. And I was, uh, I was really kind of blown away at how well um, people reacted to that, right? I, I thought it would be cool if we could draw upon that 
a little bit, you know, the, the jobs aspect for sure. If we want to yeah. do any government action. And, uh, and I mean, there's going to be an international market for a lot of these technologies. I mean, it's probably fair to say that, that the countries that, um, that, that, that are able to produce kind of the best, uh, you know, let's say like the Model T of electric cars, just yeah. as like an abstract concept or, um, you know, the cheapest, best, instead of the best mousetrap, you're building the best solar panel. I mean, do you, if you had, if you, if, if you had to bet 20 bucks on it right now, would you say the U.S. is going to win that race? And become a center of that or uh or is it still a toss-up is, is that still up in the air in your view i mean it it depends how we react right i mean i think we definitely could be if we had the will at a a, a national level um i don't see that right now which is a, a shame but i could certainly see that happening within the next um four or eight years maybe uh if things go right uh, if not, obviously, we're going to have to get there at some point. It's just um, at that point, like China probably will be leader in this regard um, because they're actually, they seem to be pursuing a lot of these um, technologies as well. And I think, I think Europe too, um, you know, if you just look at, um, uh, you know, Germany and, and Norway too, they've, um, with their goals and everything, they, they're aiming to make, um, the entire continent um, carbon neutral within the next 20, 30 years, which is, uh, you know, obviously very ambitious. And I think it's a lot more, uh, I think I think it's clear they, they want to pursue this. And I'd say that's a good thing. And maybe hopefully that um, pushes the U.S. to the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, it's hard to argue. It's a bad thing ultimately. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my twenty dollar bet on China just because I feel like they're a little more agile and and uh, I mean it's an authoritarian regime, so you can kind of do a lot more. You know, if you want to outlaw, you know, they've done things like outlaw motorcycles in entire huge cities just just to address air pollution. I mean, the U.S. would never do something like that. You know, or at least it would be much harder to. Um, yeah. But with the development of the technology as well, I mean, like you said, they are kind of the factory of the world. That's where so much of the production of things is, is taking place already. There's so much built up knowledge and, and, and know-how there. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to see everyone race towards the same goal, ultimately. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about who gets there I mean, first. That's, that's the goal, the, sure. Like, what do you think? Do you think the technology, do, do you think there's more of a... You, or rather, how should I say this? Is there an issue with adoption of these technologies? I mean, in terms of the technology being developed to be effective and efficient and economical, um, that aside, is is there a problem just, just ideologically, you think, in some places still with this technology being adopted or are we past that point now? I mean, among the populace, yeah, there's, um, there's still a lot of like, anti-green energy sentiment that's been largely pushed by um, <laughs> the, the Republican Party to a, a large extent. Uh, I think a lot of people have this uh, prejudice against renewables and they think um, just, there's just a lot of misinformation and you can, you can trace this back to the fossil fuel companies as well. Um, you know, they, they fund these like think tanks that um, come up with the most effective um, you know, messaging for, for them. And uh, I think, I think that's a real issue. I'm not sure how to deal with that. I think that's just something that we're going to have to 
live with until we, until they um, go by the wayside, which will take time for sure. I don't know. I mean, maybe we just need like a really saucy kind of spicy rebrand, you know, like we'll call it like uh, like solar panel with bacon or like energy efficient <laughs> fridge. I mean, uh, salted caramel or something. Yeah. I don't know. Super efficient, hyper futuristic robo fridge. Did you did you hear about this um, company Nikola? Um, it's like this failed um, uh, electric truck company, and uh, I was actually really hoping that um, their vehicles could could be a um, a way to change this perception, right? Because they they're like trying to make these like really um, kind of nice looking trucks. These um, they're they actually hydrogen, and they had like a, an electric option as well, um, but I. I was hoping that they could maybe change perception on this, but um, the their their CEO like bailed on the company a few months ago, and like he sold all of his um, stake in the company as well. So it kind of that's a good sign. Screwed them over. <laughs> wow, like, that's yeah. like a, that sounds that sounds yeah. like a bad breakup. I, I talked, wow. to him, yeah. I, I talked to him like two months before that too. So I I'm, I kick myself for not. Um, you know, asking him about anything, you know, like remotely um, of that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I wish I would have questioned him further, I guess. I, I would have loved to have sat, sat in on those board meetings. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nicola, Nicola Trucks. I mean, it probably, it couldn't have been worse than, uh, than this, what was it? The, uh, the Tesla, like a uh, van from Halo. It was the Warthog, I think it's called in Halo. Remember that? Okay. Yeah. I haven't played Halo, actually. That's okay. They basically like they made something that looks like <laughs> something exactly from a video game, like complete with like because in the game there's like a an ATV that comes out of the back, and then the, the, this one had an ATV come out of the back too. It was ridiculous. Um, okay, but I'm curious now. So moving moving past uh, green technology a little bit, or or we can talk about how it intersects with kind of space technology. But like you're a space reporter primarily lead yeah. space correspondent um you're the first lead space correspondent right. we've had on so i want to know like what when you, you close your eyes and you picture the cosmic expanse of endless possibilities like what what is it that lights the fire in your heart that uh, in your imagination that you think about <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or, i mean or, i don't know man i've i've always wanted um I've always wanted to go to a different galaxy. That's obviously never going to happen, but um, you know, as a Star Wars fan, that's that's always been the dream, I guess. I think the most near the, the most the most near term thing is definitely Mars, though, right? And and if people are seriously there's there's talk of uh, of of missions to Mars in in the not too distant future. Am I or am I completely batshit insane when I say that? Didn't I read that recently? Yeah. Wasn't there some kind of multi-country oh, effort? Definitely true. Yeah. Like yeah, what are, I mean, what are they um, doing there? I think NASA has. Yeah, it's um. I, I mean, so there's a lot of um rover missions planned, I guess, and like landers and things like that, uh, which I love because um they they've sent back pretty pictures, but um, I think NASA's timeline is like kind of screwy right now because um. It changes every every couple of years, so I wouldn't put much um, much stock in that. But um, there, there's definitely an effort towards uh, a mission with 
humans. Um, it's just, there's no, there's no set date right now. We just need to get Matt Damon involved. If we can get Matt Damon signed, all the other principals will come on board very soon, I'm sure. Everyone loved that movie. I never saw it, everyone loved it. Yeah, I mean. It's a big hit. Like when, uh, how, how many, how many Mars rovers have even landed on Mars? Like, I feel like I've only really like followed a, a handful, but it's been, what is it now? At least like a baker's dozen or so? Or it's so? like, uh, there's, four. There's, there's four rovers on Mars currently. Well, like, do you think they get together? Uh, like the rovers, like do they, they hang out, like have a little rover party once in a while? I mean, they're all, they're all, they don't know anybody else there. They're the only earthlings there. I mean, I you, so. you figure yeah. they got to play bridge and shuffleboard or something um <laughs> do you think there was i mean i think it's pretty much been established that there the has that there's some form of life on mars at this point and they think and they're finding more water out there all the time right uh I, I would push back on that they they haven't found um they have not found life but they've they found conditions that could um facilitate life which is you know really interesting obviously and um you know we can only analyze so much with these rovers, right? Um, if you want to do any kind of experiment, you have to send a rover with that specific instrument. So, you know, obviously that's tough. Um, we need to send people or have a um, rover design with um, every single experiment in mind, I guess, to, um, you know, determine like said life form, but, um, or like evidence of said life form in the past yeah i think that's what i meant like evidence of some kind of microbial yeah. life in the past or something right yeah yeah like they it could have like that, that it could have facilitated something uh maybe right um and that i mean that's the, the main factor is water of course and um there is a lot more than we once thought uh i mean obviously there's, there's water on the poles and then um they've found like the big discovery was a lot of like water um beneath the surface as well, which is really interesting. There was actually um, this, this article recently about, um, actually it was a NASA press release and then there are obviously tons of articles about it. But they, um, we've known for a while that the, the moon has ice in, um, you know, uh, some portions, right? But um, they found more of it recently uh, in some craters, right? Like on the, uh, there's like parts of um, each crater that like never gets sunlight, like it's always in shadow. And um, they found some ice in those craters, which is really interesting as well. Hmm. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the the most um, most important or the or the most salient point about the water on Mars is that it would be useful for any kind of colonization effort. Although, yeah, like. Or, or is it like setting up a station, right? But yeah, yeah. I don't know, wouldn't, wouldn't everyone kind of, wouldn't their bones go uh, go like brittle after spending all that time in low gravity? Like wouldn't, uh, wouldn't they have to come back home every like six weeks or something? I mean, there, there's, um, there's been limited um, studies on this, but they, there have been some studies and it, it really does like change your bone structure after um, enough time in zero G, I guess. I think mars wouldn't be that bad because um i'm not i'm not sure what its gravity is compared to earth it's something like 
I don't want to give a number, it might be like a third or something. Um, but it, it shouldn't be that bad on Mars as long as you exercise. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, I just looked it up. It's um, about a third on Mars. Um, okay, you say, you say it won't be that bad as long as I exercise? That's as long problem. as you exercise, that's, I that, think. That's a, that's a deal breaker. No, I'm, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very committed to my sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and honestly, especially after this, uh, like since this pandemic started, I've just been um, chilling in yeah. uh, parental fear of the virus. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah. yeah. How many shows have you watched recently? Shows? Like total yeah, shows? Any, like TV shows lately? Because I've been, I've been out. Um, I, I got really into this uh, this new anime called Demon Slayer that uh, is on Netflix. It's like the number one thing in Japan. It's like the number one film in Japan of all time, even though there's a pandemic going on, which is pretty fucking crazy. Really? And, and that's amazing. That is bloody great. The art is amazing. The voice acting is incredible. As long as you watch it in the original Japanese, if you watch it in English, then you're wasting your time. And then... Um, with, uh, with subtitles? Yeah, subtitles. And yeah. then... Yeah, now I'm watching an old anime called uh, Cat's Eye about a, a team of three sisters who are uh, internationally renowned art thieves. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> and it's great. It's from like the 80s. Um, cool. Yeah, and then actually I watched Groundhog Day. I rewatched Groundhog Day like yesterday. That's, uh, that's the first time, right? Uh, first time in like 15 years. That movie is a fucking masterpiece. Like, holy yeah. shit. And like, what a commentary on like so many things too. Um, yeah, I think I think I think they made they made a, a science fiction kind of comedy, but it like turned out to be like a a, <laughs> a profound statement on the human condition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, so too. Yeah, um, I, I think about that movie a lot actually. Well, it's like, you know, he, he's, he's the guy from the city who, and, and all of a sudden he starts living the same day over again. Like, like that's, that's like the postmodern life of like the, the everyman, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, he looks down on the, uh, the country bumpkins and their, and their silly ways, um, you know, before undergoing a journey of, uh, of self-realization <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> towards self-knowledge. Um, wow. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm trying to think of like other like interesting topics that have come up in like space news lately because like there's mm, been yeah. like, what's that crazy interstellar object that like entered the, uh, did it enter the, the solar system? What was that thing called? Yeah, it's like an asteroid. What's it called? It's got some crazy sounding like. It's like um, Amona Mora or something like that. Amoa Mua Mua, yeah. Yeah, that, that thing is like crazy, dude. It's like, um, it's extremely long and skinny, which is like not a, not like the typical shape for like an asteroid or something. Um, so that's, that's why we thought it could be like um, alien made or something initially. But uh, I think they've, I think they've, they've explained that somehow. It's, um, I forgot exactly uh, what the explanation was, but it was actually really interesting. Um, I'll have to find that. Amua Mua, O U M U A M U A. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a long cylindrical. Okay, first known interstellar, first known interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. So that's like crazy. Yeah. 
And like, it looks, it looks like a fucking, like a cigarette or a cigar. Like nothing, nothing natural would look that way. It's weird. 3000 feet long. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, could be a remnant of a disintegrated rogue comet or exocomet, according to a NASA scientist. Okay, well, yeah, the object <laughs> has a rotation, non-gravitational acceleration. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little freaked out. Did you? You've obviously seen the, the like Pentagon um, UFO videos and all that stuff. I'm guessing. I, I've I've glanced through it. Yeah, I think I, they've. They've started to explain some of that, but it's a little it's a little bit creepy to look at too. It's creepy, but like um the thing is like I feel like it's probably just some like crazy drone, right? Mm, I, mm. I feel like it's just not that far off to be um something that like some country could have developed and then they just like flew over the Pacific. It could be us, right? I mean it's it's really weird though, right? I mean the, just the way how it um I'm not sure if the listeners have seen the videos of it, of this, but um, basically like it, um, the gist is that like this little like pod shaped thing um, like flies at incredible speeds and then um, just like completely changes direction without like counter thrust or anything. At least and, like no, and no heat signature, no like, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, no, yeah. Like, there's no tail on it. It's like, it's just moving really fast without yeah. like any like visible means of, uh, propulsion and then there's another one that like rotates in this really weird and counterintuitive way i haven't seen that one yeah it's all like they, <laughs> i mean leave it to like our society to um to have like one of the leading investigators of this be the like i think he's the drummer from blink 182 whatever his name is really? <laughs> he started that foundation with like a bunch of uh i don't know if it's some kind of it could the whole thing could be some kind of crazy grift but he started this company mm-hmm. called i think to the stars academy and he hired a bunch of like ex-government officials and they're like investigating UFOs and, and they have this TV show, I think it's called uh, Unidentified. Okay. Um, but it's like the guy from Blink-182 is the guy like doing it, or at least he started it. But like the other people are all seem like completely legitimate, like bureaucrats, like government officials from like pre like recent presidential administrations and stuff. But um, <laughs> that's a fun show actually. If you want a fun show to watch in quarantine, like I'm yeah. not saying I believe in aliens and UFOs, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes a little bit of that can be fun to like dabble in, you know. I mean, I love I love um, ancient aliens on the History Channel, so I there you go. And then there's that episode of Unsolved Mysteries recently that went into like this pretty crazy, like abduction story. It was like, I think it was three or four different groups of people that all saw something or had some kind of crazy experience all on the same night. It was like in the '60s. And they did these super creepy, this super creepy graphic where it was like, okay, here's like where the, this is where this sighting occurred. And then five minutes later, this, you know, whatever it was moved over here and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, and then this one guy, he was like, he had this crazy experience. I mean, he, again, he could have just been on LSD or something, but um, he was like frozen by some beam or whatever is how he recalled it. And then the, he, he like did this painting of it. He's like, he's like, part of my getting over it was to like paint this painting of my experience. And it's like this, this it's, it's like, it looks like a kid's drawing kind of in style, even though I think the guy is a legitimate artist who's, who's doing it in that style. But it's like the most terrifying thing I've ever looked at with my eyes in my entire life. It's I'll like, have to look that up. I haven't seen that. All right. Yeah. Sounds, sounds creepy though. Show recommendations on Night Roll. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been watching... Um, I've been rewatching Breaking Bad lately. 
and that, sure. that's a, a masterpiece obviously and um have, have you, you you've watched breaking bad right of course yeah yeah have you seen um better call Saul? yeah i'm up to date on better call Saul. um okay. one, one of my internet friends uh recently was talking about how boring it is and i think he's kind of he's kind of right in that it's much slower paced although yeah. there's like bursts of intensity i like better call Saul a lot more than breaking bad actually really um, Wow. I, I don't really mind like a slow burn a little bit. Um, and I, yeah, for me, Breaking Bad, there was like a, a death of one, like spoiler alert, but I'm, I'll try not to spoil it. It's like death of one character that involves a certain amount of CGI that really like kind of killed the show for me to a certain extent. I thought the ending was decent, uh, was, was was pretty strong. So like, it wasn't as though they completely fucked it up, but um, I feel like they kind of, the whole question of like him being a hero or an anti-hero. Like I liked the show the most when I still kind of liked him. Yeah. And then they, I felt like they danced on the line and it was weird because they, the creator said, Oh, we're going to take a, you know, we're going to take a, a sympathetic hero and turn him into the villain. And it was this like bold kind of narrative trajectory they were envisioning for the show. But I think, I think yeah. saying it out loud and telling everyone that's what they were doing probably like handcuff them a little bit because I, you know, I don't think anyone wants necessarily to like watch a show about a guy who's like not sympathetic at all. Yeah. Um, and, but he does, I mean, he kind of becomes, he does become that, but I, I don't know the, for whatever reason, somehow the ambiguity, ambiguity is a hard one. You know, ambiguity is hard mm -hmm. to get the mixture just right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably why a lot of people uh, eschew it. You know, they, they're like, Oh, we can't, we don't want to be ambiguous because we won't know what what uh what level of column a and column b to mix yeah i see <laughs> but i still loved it i mean i still think it's great i tried to rewatch it recently the person i was watching it with was like ah after a season i was like well <laughs> <laughs> you know they they turned yeah. their key so yeah i had, had, okay. had to had to eject um <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. what about the mandalorian though you obviously you're a mandalorian guy at this point you gotta course, be yeah yeah. That show is um, amazing. Actually, it's like, um, I think it's probably the best um, piece of live action, like Star Wars media that's come out since the prequels and maybe the original trilogy as well. I'm not sure how it uh, ranks against the prequels. I actually like the prequels a lot. People, people like to shit on the prequels a lot. Um, but I thought they were good. And actually, they, um, they really set up the original trilogy in a interesting way but the, the Mandalorian is actually um kind of cool if you look into how they made it right so um with a lot of totally. the newer star wars movies they, they they it almost feels like they're trying to like copy um the first three uh, and they're just making like worse versions right but with the Mandalorian, i think um what they did was they looked at um the influences uh, for the original Star Wars movies, and they tried to base them off the the influences rather than the original films. Yeah, things like the spaghetti so, westerns and Kurosawa. Yeah, right, yeah, for sure. And that that's how they managed to make, um, in my opinion, like um, such a great show. And it's it's like really original. And I think it's just it's everything about it's awesome. I mean, I, I love Star Wars, obviously, and um, actually think it's a it's one of the better. Um, it actually has a really left-leaning perspective on the world. Um, if you, oh, interesting, you take, interesting take. Yeah, tell me more. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I would go as far as to say it's probably the best um, 
um, anti-fascist uh, film series ever, right? You have um, this band of rebels like fighting against a um, World War II, uh, you know, German-inspired empire. Uh, it couldn't be more clear. And these um, like these freedom fighters are just trying to uh, liberate themselves from this oppressive uh, empire. And um, I think I think I mean Lucas has like George Lucas has um, confirmed this as well. Like this is all this is all canon. This isn't speculation. Um, it's also it's actually also inspired by the um, the what's it called um, the war in Vietnam too. Um, that's 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 another influence too. So I I think it's just um, it's just great, right? Um, and the, the, the yeah the main the main character is basically like a war refugee or yeah, right? yeah he's like a war orphan I guess is what ultimately he is. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. I mean, I'm I was mostly just kind of while watching it just kind of like frozen in terror at the fact that like someone had made like a star wars thing that i actually liked a lot yeah and i just so it's confused me i mean i'm a little older generation than you i think sure. you know my view of the prequels i'll be honest i was pretty close to just ending the call right right as you were talking about the prequels i was like this is over <laughs> but i don't but i understand like if you were younger when they came out yeah they, your experience of them was just completely different than everyone else's because oh, you know yeah. ever, I, like, I can't imagine like waiting for a new um uh, a slew of Star Wars movies and then getting uh, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I, I can understand the disappointment there. It was profound. It was profound disappointment. I mean, but it was the, the hype machine. This the thing about the hype machine. You know, the hype machine can get really, really over. Yeah. It can overdo it, the hype machine. And when, when sure. like for me, like I was born in the 80s, you know, we all grew up watching the original on VHS over and over on like a constant loop. Like yeah. we would carry televisions around and VCRs and mobile, um, you know, power sources and basically just watch them on a loop until the tape disintegrated and, and turned into a fine dust. And yeah. none of us ever thought we'd get a Star Wars movie for the rest of our lives. Like it was just understood, no more Star Wars movies. Star Wars movies are a thing that they did before. It's over now. You know, we got a couple of cartoons or whatever to sell cereal and toys. Yeah, and then when they announced it, everyone collectively just lost their fucking minds, mm -hmm. um, and the hype machine was was out of control for like nine months, and then yeah, it came out. And if you were like, if you were like me, like you know, uh, I think I was just at finishing high school at that point. You know, you're cynical, you're <laughs> you're embittered, you're more likely to kind of hold stuff to a, a different standard. And then yeah. if you're watching it when you're super young, like you probably watched it when you were young, right? So yeah, of course, like I probably like. 2007 or something. I do think George Lucas had a, the hots for Natalie Portman because he designed the one dress where she's like kind of dressed up like a dominatrix. You remember that dress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when she's like, oh, Anakin, no, we can't, we can't get together. And meanwhile, they're just like, like spending all their time like, like on a gondola going down a nice river or like strolling yeah, through a, I mean, dewy, those... a dewy meadow and then like stand, standing in front of like a fireplace with like S&M gear on. Like, yeah, like, those scenes are so unnecessary. Like they, they didn't contribute at all to the movie. He just, he just threw those in. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's got, he's a man with a plan. He's a man with passion. Of course. What did you think of like the whole like when he when him when he lost the rights or sold the rights to to uh, to Disney like and then you remember he called them like white slavers? <laughs> really, I don't remember that. 
Yeah, but, he's like, oh, you know, it's like you have a kid, it's your baby, you love it, and then, you know, you kind of sell it to white slavers. He was, he was speaking in metaphor, but yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say. That's a very strange thing to say. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I guess my, my take is mixed on that because, um, uh, like, the, the, the sequel movies I thought were really just not that good. Um, yeah, I wasn't really a fan either, to be honest. I, I yeah. after about, I think I sat through about 15 minutes of the commercials before the mm-hmm. first, The Force Awakens, and there were all, like, Star Wars branded commercials for different products, and I was like, no, I'm not going to like this no matter what. And it's yeah. like, it just kind of felt like a little disjointed. It's just they, little, they lost their, they, they lost focus, I thought. Yeah, a little bit, um, not redundant, derivative. Yeah. Like, it's weird how a lot of things exist in this, in this um, spectrum of like, oh, well, we're, we're redoing what was done before, but it's not a remake per se. Yeah. It's kind of an homage or a nod and a wink, but it's not a remake where... We're, we're doing it again for a new generation or something. It's like, just, I, I have no idea what they're actually doing. I, don't, I have no idea if I'm watching a remake or if I'm watching someone with just no new ideas. Yeah, yeah, that, that can be really confusing, I think. And um, it's, <laughs> so, the, so the new movies kind of threw a wrench in the already existing canon as well, right? So before, before Luke, um, Disney bought um, Lucasfilm and Star Wars and everything, um, there had, already existed this whole like expanded universe for Star Wars and um there's this like really set in so um timeline like post um uh Return of the Jedi and um the, so they, they they really just they kind of like overwrote that and they didn't replace it with um with much else so that kind of that that that's always going to be a little bit um disappointing uh to me I think and I'm like, there, it's it's just it's just not clear like which one to um, treat as canon. I think. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, I in depth. I don't, I, no, <laughs> I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny that like you know, 20 years ago, if people were having a debate about the canon, you know, yeah. they they were they're debating like you know Shakespeare and John Donne, whereas now it's like, it's like oh well, what's what's Star Wars canon? It's like I've always kind of I mean again probably because I'm so cynical. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of don't give a shit what's canon and what's not canon. I mean, it's a little annoying yeah. that, that you know, uh, people aren't necessarily making something that seems completely coherent. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> like, like, to turn, like, arguments about what is canon, what isn't canon, I mean, um, cer- cer- certainly they, they, like, Star Wars, it was weird how they kind of, like, did this weird thing of, like, throwing away all the, like, there was, because there was stuff from books and whatnot yeah. that was canon i guess or whatever that means and then they threw it all away but then it also seemed like they just borrowed the stuff from it as well whenever they wanted willy-nilly it's like it's like as if i said like okay we're done with shakespeare you know shakespeare's played we're gonna redo shakespeare okay this is this is a new shakespeare we're gonna call it shakespearean me and the first the first play is gonna be a play called hamlet (laughs) and you're like wait what (laughs) i don't understand what you're doing here um so what are some of the stories you're following uh, right now for uh, for Clean Technica? Yeah, I mean, um, so there's been a lot of really interesting work in um, uh, Texas, actually, from, um, you know, SpaceX and, like, NASA. Um, I mean, SpaceX is a, a NASA contractor, right? So 
Um, you can't really separate the two. Uh, but they they're working on, um, I guess, like their their Mars rocket. They're calling it um, Starship. It's kind of a funny name, but um, it's not. It's, it's all right. I mean, it's for like branding, right? Um, but they've they've been running tests on these things for the last um, two years. I, yeah, like the last two years. And um, I actually visited last. Um, actually, I guess it was 2019. Yeah, yeah, like September 2019 when they did this like presentation on their um, their work on the rocket, and that was really interesting. Um, and ever since then, they've been continuing like tests on these like prototypes and they they bang out a new prototype every month or so it's crazy hmm. yeah because like uh like rocket technology in terms of like making like reusable rockets is, is like like what, what sorry can you can you delve into more like what they're what they're aiming for with these prototypes that's really interesting stuff yeah so the um the reusable aspect is like very very new it's um it basically emerged like within the last um decade or so and before that it was kind of uh, unheard of you know save for the the space shuttle and that was that wasn't so much reusable as it was uh refurbishable because they had they really had to replace so much for every single flight mm, kind uh, of like almost like a helicopter the way you have to replace the whole thing after a certain amount of hours right but it's yeah, still yeah, replaceable you still don't you still don't throw it away and build a new helicopter yeah. every time you want to go on a trip yeah, it's like that. Um, it's like that ship, like the the famous like Greek or Roman ship thing. Like, do you you know the saying I'm talking about, right? Or um, I'm not sure if I do. Replace the the parts over time, and then it becomes a completely new ship. Like, is it still oh, the same? Right, ship? right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that. But um, anyway, yeah. I mean, within the last ten years, to their credit, um, SpaceX have really um, kind of led this charge of course with nasa but um uh like they've been landing the rockets on these um uh drone ships basically just like barges on the um in the pacific um and that that's that's pretty crazy like the fact that they could just um land this massive uh metal rod from orbit <laughs> in, onto this like tiny platform in the middle of the ocean um, it kind of sounds like the most fun video game ever, but like super simple, like an 80s style, like arcade yeah, game. Right? Yeah, right. Someone, someone should make a game for this. Like you just. How uh, do they, so they have to navigate the drone, like bo, bo, uh, what would you call it? Boat lander, yeah. like among the currents and all the waves too and weather and all that stuff. Like yeah, that's that's gotta be. Happening. They've lost a couple boosters because of that actually within the last um, like two years. I think it's happened at least twice um, just because of like waves and things. It's actually pretty funny when it falls off because then um, they have to like fish it out of the ocean. It's just like floating. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's safer than landing it on land, though, for sure. Yeah, as well, it's a lot safer. Of, and yeah. it wasn't actually like it, it, it was fine. Like it was, they just had to fish it out. And I'm not sure if they, I, I doubt they use that exact booster since. They actually, they have so many of these um, Falcon 9 uh, rocket boosters. Um, that's the model of the rocket. And um, um, I'm actually not sure how many there are. I've actually asked this to people who work at SpaceX and they um, either don't know or can't say. It's actually kind of mysterious. I I'm sure there's some directory out there that has every booster that's um, that's like known to be active right now. But um, 
I guess I, I guess we were talking about the the Mars rocket, right? And um, yeah, that's really kind of a, a completely different um, uh, vehicle than these like satellite rockets, you know. And um, it's really kind of crazy. It's um, incredibly tall. I think it's I think each stage is fifty meters tall. Yeah, I think that's right. And they're um, like nine meters wide. And um, what's really interesting is that they're trying to make these out of a special kind of like stainless steel uh, alloy. Right. Which is you know really interesting because like why would you make a rocket out of stainless steel? Um, I it would be like the the question, but um, they they explain it pretty well. It's actually um, if they use this um, you know stainless steel, they won't need uh, a heat shield. For the bottom of the rocket when they re-enter which actually saves weight overall so <laughs> go figure oh interesting yeah yeah because i know like the and oftentimes i don't know if they still use tiles on those um yeah they're trying the not to field. yeah they're, i mean i'm sure they're trying to get rid of them because okay. obviously they, yeah they yeah. like one tile falls off all of a sudden you got to call the contractor back over to the house to put your heat yeah. shield tiles back in the bathroom and you're like i'll never i'll never get to neptune at this rate um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, a, I love the space shuttle, but that was one of the um, the biggest issues, right? Like they they had hundreds and hundreds of uh, unique tiles per uh, per space shuttle, and um, they were all like individually numbered, and um, you know they would fall off and stuff like upon reentry. I think by design, and uh, they'd have to go through and replace um, each of these tiles, and they're all like differently molded and stuff. Yeah, but it seems it seems like uh, am I crazy or have has like space this kind of technology seems like it would kind of was like not developing that fast uh, for like say like the last few decades and then up and like up until recently say like last fifteen years it's like, really been like revived like rocketry yeah definitely yeah. Uh, I think I think that's just um, uh, the advent of reusable rockets for sure and then there's also a couple more like I, I um, there's this other company, uh, Rocket Lab, they have, they're based in New Zealand and um, they, they mostly launch like these smaller satellites. Um, and they're, they're pretty interesting as well. What's, what's their deal, Rocket Lab? Yeah, they, uh, they, um, their rockets are like pretty small, um, uh, comparably to other, uh, other rockets. And um, they can just launch a lot of like these tiny little satellites, which are also kind of fueling a lot of the you know, newfound interest in these, in you know, rocketry and satellites within the last couple of years. It's actually really interesting because now you can fit a lot of components within a small body for a satellite. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like they could have a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, what do you know? What do you know? I mean, this is just the science fiction nerd in me talking. So I, I don't know if it's something you actually can speak to, but like, what do you know about like space elevators and the development of that technology? Uh, nowhere close, but okay. <laughs> it sounds so cool to me. Yeah. It, like, it's super interesting. You have like this tethered kind of satellite and then you're using the actual like the centrifugal force of like the Earth's rotation itself to achieve lift like it's it sounds amazing in theory to me well Plus space so, space elevator it's a great yeah. brand name i mean so so what i've what i've read on it like you you would need to um just launch them off the top of the elevator but like they, they wouldn't just like go into orbit um because like if, if you went to the the top of the elevator right like you would have to like if you jump off you just fall down because like you don't have any um like sideways 
velocity. Um, so you but, say still, they still would need to use some kind of like booster technology or rocket technology to like get going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would right. be a lot less uh, work than um, current rockets. I guess that's the idea or like to get satellites up right now. Yeah. I mean, so the main thing is though, I mean, if we do build ourselves a nice space elevator, you know what's going to happen. You know, in six months, it's going to have gum on the buttons and needles on the floor and spit and claw marks. And you're like, you can never trust anyone. These common areas, they never, they never take care of it. So yeah. maybe that's one reason it's being held back. Um, I also wanted to ask you, like, I know, I know there's, there are like other countries like uh, uh, China, Japan. Yeah. Um, obviously, Russia is a major space player. India, like, like, what are the, what are the stories that interest you the most right now, or, or maybe that have interested you the most recently, um, coming out of those places? So they, they are pretty interesting. I mean, so the UAE, actually, the uh, United Arab Emirates, they actually just. They have a lander that's actually yes, sorry, not a lander. Um, they have a um, a satellite right now actually that's reaching Mars today, and that's that's pretty exciting actually. It should be really useful. So that would make a total of five. That's great. That would that would make a, a nice interesting mix for the for the social parties for the other four rovers. Oh, sorry, did, did I say lander? Um, it's, it's just satellite actually. Oh, it's just, so it's going to orbit yeah. Mars and take take photos and stuff. Yeah, and, and um, I actually have not read much on this um this probe at all but yeah it, it should be cool and it, it, it's interesting because you know so far it's really just been the u.s right for for mars and everything and you know nasa and jpl yeah i mean i don't know it, it should be pretty cool for sure um what are you china's had a couple sorry china's had a couple missions surrounding the moon as well so they they have like interest in i think they, they wanted to test out if we could like grow crops on the moon which i think is pretty kind of a cool idea Totally. And, and then NASA's also have like satellites around the moon as well. And actually you can, if you look up like high, high res images of uh, the earth from the moon, you will find many pictures from these you know, Japanese satellites. Really cool. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I enjoy reading those stories just because kind of in the history of space, um, you know, it's really obviously like it's been written by the Soviet Union and then the United yeah. States 90%. So so it's always interesting to me to see uh, other countries kind of getting in on it. I mean, obviously, with communication satellites being such a big deal, um, it makes sense for probably a lot of countries just to export for that reason alone. But also, like, it's probably just good for the development of technology in general for yeah. and gathering information about things. Um, I mean, think of, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I, I think the um, the collaboration aspect like cannot be overlooked. I think that's one of the you know I, I love the ISS for that reason. Actually, it's it's been so successful at um, you know forging this bond, I guess, between the, the U.S. and all these other countries that are on board the ISS. I, I think that there's something to be said for that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely. I, I mean, I think all scientific fields benefit from from collaboration and cross pollination. Yeah. Um, so it's it's certainly no surprise that this would as well so what let me tell give me the honest give me an honest answer though when you heard donald trump announce the development of the space force what was your first thought um i thought it sounded interesting but um yeah i don't, I don't know i thought i thought it sounded interesting but i after reading up on the space force um you know it's, it's just not it's not that special honestly it's just like they um it's a lot of existing programs that you know, NASA and the, the military have been involved in just like moving into a, uh, like move, moving into a uh, overall like different 
umbrella, I guess. That I'm not sure how, how I describe that. Yeah, they like reshuffled a bunch of existing yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. then gave it the cool like Star Trek style logo though. I mean, you gotta love the logo. Basically, yeah, it's, it's really something. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, um, in all seriousness, though, like weaponization and militarization of space, I mean, it, you don't have yeah. to really go that far down the kind of thought experiment to realize yeah. what an incredible shit show it's gonna, it would ever be to have yeah. people shooting satellites out of the sky and, and, and even more debris flying around, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, yeah, I mean, I, I think my take though, like my, my current take on Space Force is just that it's just not, um, I, I would rather have you know, these scientific missions, which I think NASA is best at, um, you know, left to NASA and not like reshuffled into the, the military. Um, I think that's just generally not a, a good idea to do that, right? Like, um, and it's also like, a, if you think about it, it's a really good way to cut these programs, right? Because, um, you know, people are obviously like, like a, a lot of people are discontent with the, the military budget, myself included. I think it's I think it's pretty crazy how much the military gets, um, and it, for, to um, you know do what it does, I guess. Um, but the thing is, like, if they're gonna now now if they're gonna do um, military cuts to I guess appease that sentiment, um, like, guess what's gonna go first? The uh, the actual you know scientific research that used to be under NASA and now is under the military yeah that's an interesting point yeah yeah because i mean you can argue nasa i mean you said before they were one, like a, one of the most successful kind of like government-run agencies of all time i would i, I still think it is i mean it's I, probably I it's, it's probably a, much more likely that them developing things is going to be of a potentially greater benefit than uh you know someone working away in kind of a top secret government program obviously right yeah oh boy it continues i mean i i i i, I I think at some point, so like, uh, you know, when, when Donald Trump Jr. or Ivanka is president in 10 years, they'll probably just completely defund NASA by, um, by reassigning their duties to Nassau County in, in New York yeah. State, and then just hope no one notices, you know? So like, yeah, yeah. We, we fully, we've, you know, we're very proud of the work Nassau is doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would not, um, anything can happen for sure. Yeah, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put it past them at all. Um, okay, well, we can start the wind-down procedure here, Harry, but... Uh, but uh, is, do you have any uh, final words? So, uh, it, was, it was so great having you on uh, Night Rule. Thank you so much for coming uh, to, to talk about space. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. Never uh, been any... on a podcast before. This is my first uh, podcast episode yet. appreciate oh, it exciting yeah we're making yeah. history then yeah no this is a historic event for sure yeah um but i hope i was know, a good guest i don't know <laughs> uh well don't worry like i i've i've maintained an extremely low standard i've, I've set a very very low bar <laughs> so don't you worry about that all you were fantastic to be honest i had no idea what was your first podcast i thought you were a podcast mm-hmm. veteran at this point so you got a future kid stick with us and and you'll you'll just see big things Oh, and uh, just let, let people know where they can follow you and uh, check out more of your work. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Harry Stoltz1. Um, just at Harry Stoltz was taken already. It's um, a suspended account. So if anyone knows how to get that, 
please let me know. Um, I think that's the main place. Of course, you can read my stuff on Clean Technica. I have not written um, an article there in a couple months. I, I've been busy with um, a few things, but I should have something out soon. Anyway, just uh, I think that's it. Sliding through corruption, a train of thought.